0: Hey, Film Files, what's happening? We're back for another Tuesday night. Oh, 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 what? It is August 11. <laughs> it is 9 p.m. It is the top of the hour. You're listening to 90.7 W-A-Z-U, and you're ours for the next hour, and it's going to be a special night. I'm Jimmy Malone. I'm Stuart Randall. I'm Ben Snowden. And this is Movie Show Theater.
1: In a world where movies are everywhere,
0: these heroes will make
1: sense of some of the world's strongest films. Jimmy, Ben, and Stuart. This is Movie Show Theater.
0: Yes, yeah, it is no, it yeah. oh, okay yeah. It's Jaws is our movie for the night, so this film was randomly generated, and yes. I'm awful glad that we uh fell on it because we haven't done a immediate Stephen well, no, that's not true. we did hook we did but, Indiana Jones but that's not a
1: really i mean that that was one of those where you're like really he directed that
0: mm-hmm. because
1: it was more driven by the you know the story and and the great characters and everything else i mean yeah i mean obviously it wouldn't have been as good without him but a lot of people go really he directed that jaws though iconic steven spielberg put him on the map absolutely threw
0: him into the spotlight this,
2: also did this indiana
0: this this summer blockbuster this is like I I don't think I've ever officially named this in my top five, but I really should. It's always been in my top ten. And I do remember reading the Peter Benchley novel, and the only thing – there's a couple things. They left out the death of of how the shark died. In the book, he died of basically mortal wounds over time. Right. And also, this was really awkward, that Hooper has an affair with Ellen, (coughs) Brody's wife in the book. Really? Which really sucks. I never actually read it. This 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 movie makes me really happy inside. I I wish I could have seen this in the theater when it first opened. They like sent the the jaws font. They sent those style marquee letters to like 800 theaters around the country when the movie came out, and it was it was a, a premiere event at you know hundreds of different theaters. And this film was such a hassle, and it was. So bare bones that, like, this film represents everything that I love about film. Well, it's also,
2: a uh, if you look at the production, a tale of how happy accidents can really make a film better. Absolutely. You know, this because whole, the whole, there making, was...
0: The whole movie is like a series of happy accidents. Yeah, there,
2: so many, there were so many things that had to be done the way they weren't originally intended... That ended up really making the movie stronger Like, you know, the uh, mechanical shark Named Bruce there was... by Spielberg right. Failing so many times that, you know, they had to use The camera as a stand-in for the shark Like a first-person perspective so many times And it helped because they didn't reveal the monster Which always works when you have a movie like this Absolutely. And there's tension building throughout And things keep getting more hectic The mm-hmm. fact that you
1: don't know how big the shark is You don't know how how Truly deadly the shark is Other than, obviously, that he's killing people But you really just don't have any sort of idea of the scale until the movie is in the last 20 30 minutes of the film right and 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 then you know what they're after you know you have some idea but even then it's just more of a silhouette than anything else and you really don't see the shark until he you know at the very end when he kills quint but again it's one of those things where i'm so glad they didn't use i mean they used the 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 mechanical shark throughout for the fin and they and the and the size factor and everything else but the 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 jaw thing was always the you know the mechanism was always so, so cheesy to me mm-hmm. at the very end and i'm it and up until that point it is such a wonderfully believable scary film mm-hmm just so unbelievable and and that's the only criticism i have of it and again comes back to the happy accidents that you both were mentioning with the the mechanical failures they had in that they had no choice but to film in other ways and to come up with new ways that no one had ever really tried before. Expensive
2: so. accidents, too. Apparently, each uh, incarnation of Bruce the Shark, the mechanical shark, uh, $250,000 per shark. Wow. Which for 1975. Yeah. That's millions in today's money, yeah. And it seems like they also battled, you know uh script issues like you know shooting and then working on the script and having to you know stretch out the timeline and the budget which you know studios love it when oh, yeah. uh, the director or somebody from the production comes and says oh hey by the way uh could you give me more money this isn't what we agreed on but could you just give me some more money i swear we'll make 100 million dollars before any other film in history
0: and then just did. yeah right I I think it's really funny to hear the retrospect talk by Spielberg. Um, So much hesitation with this film. You know, he had just finished Duel, which is kind of like Jaws on the Road. And he was uh, scared to do this because he didn't want to be pigeonholed as the truck and shark guy. Well, I get it. I I mean, he's so young
1: at this point, you know. I mean, he is just a he's he's brand new on the scene. I, I I don't even think had he was he even he was in he even he acted in uh at the very end of um uh... Blues Brothers. Was this before Blues Brothers, or was this just right about the time of Blues Brothers? I can't remember. But he he was not a name even mm-hmm. necessarily at this point, and 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 so now you say Steven Spielberg, and everybody's like, oh, so many great the movies, Steven Spielberg. you know, The Steven Spielberg, right? Uh, but again, it, 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 at that time he was unknown, and he really was kind of throwing it out there. And I get, I truly get his hesitation but again happy accidents mhm happy accidents you know it it ended it ended up being one of the uh, truly one of the scariest things ever put on screen it, i mean now it, it you know, granted you watch it now you see that it's a little dated you see that it's a little hokey in some parts but the tension that is built throughout the entire film more than makes up for some of those hokier elements
0: yeah no, every time I watch this, I'm always surprised how long it is before they actually get onto the boat. It's 72 minutes before I they know step it. foot onto the boat. Right. And it's not all 100% necessary, but, you know, like, I love the chemistry between him and Ellen. I think she is so great in this. Oh, geez, yeah. And uh, I love the little... Uh, the the scene with him and his son where he's he's, mimicking him. That was a happy accident, too. And she's watching. Oh, my God. It's just...
1: Again, it's Spielberg making good use of those scenes where it's completely unintentional. You know, I, I, I think I read somewhere at one point in time that that little kid was just mimicking. That was one of those, again, one of those happy accidents where they just happened to be rolling. They just happened to see that this kid was... Basically doing everything that Roy Scheider was doing or, you know, Brody was doing at this point. And it ended up being one of the most touching and and truly kind of a, a,
2: a signature scene for the film. Mm-hmm. And I think even the opening scene, uh, the first, I guess you can say, shark attack was intended to be different because um, I think they wanted the victim, Chrissy, who runs away... I think they wanted to have like her arm floating and to show a big chunk chunk of her arm missing, but for some reason the the arm just looks too fake. So I think they didn't take that actress, but they took like a production assistant and buried her in the sand, and they had the. I think that was terrifying. That's those that terrifies me. The oh, crash, yeah. it's like, ugh, get oh, those yeah. pinchers away from me. <laughs> yeah, <it's dedication. laughs> well, also uh, to me that's like after reading. Um, the Dark Tower series in book two, There are these atrocities. Oh, the they're like, yes. venom, like venomous monster lobsters. Dada chick, dada now everything I see, you know. chick, chum. You know these these crustaceans, man. They're just out to get you. They're just yep. out to get you.
0: <laughs> so this is almost the second movie in a week that we've in a in a row that we've done from 1975. We're not going to talk about shirtless Roger Daltrey today.
2: Uh. You're wrong. I guess we because just did. Because he was in yeah. the ocean, why wasn't he eaten by Jaws? Yeah. That's, uh, that's yeah. my question. That would have made Jaws a better J- ending to the movie. Jaws traveled but... to Europe. He was more of a now United States lover. <laughs> Let's
0: destroy some <laughs> pinball machines for no reason. Yeah.
1: Can we not talk about Tommy anymore, please?
0: So I've always been okay. a huge fan of the Animal Attack films, and they've been doing it for a very long time. The earliest one that I could find was. A, um, well, the birds from 63.
2: Right. King Kong.
0: King Kong. Although oh, I would say I would That's more of a monster movie than an animal. Well, I, like I
2: consider this a monster movie. It's just a different form of it. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I mean, the shark is monstrous and yeah. irregular because and, it's a and road it's shark, irregular and subs, it's doesn't really happen in nature. It's I guess, yeah.
0: yeah. I mean, because I but thought no, about it... It... that, too, and I thought about Godzilla, and I, when I think of monster movie, I think of more, like, natural— creation animals. You know, like frogs came out. I have it written down. Teenage
2: Mutant Ninja Turtles.
0: Yeah, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Now now
2: I know what you're getting at. So you're talking about more like, okay, you have – an animal that occurs in nature like with birds and like with jaws this movie and then they're revolting for some reason against their natural behavior and right, pretty right. much killing and destroying humans
0: right um, gotcha. more on more on like the human versus nature you know um there, there there were some really effective ones like the ones that that i remember more were arachnophobia for one right that right. movie scared yeah. the piss out of me um, that and was of, scary. Yeah. And, and of course, they're exaggerated because you know, in real life, um, I think more people die from hang gliding accidents than they do from shark attacks. I just more people die from more uh, people die Tommy. from
1: slipping and falling in the bathtub than shark attacks. Right. I mean, right. there
0: may be five a year
1: that are fatal, maybe. You know, and and again, this is one of the things that necessary, that was not necessarily good about the film. If you think back on it, is that it really demonized sharks to the point where um, people went out and actually hunted sharks down after this movie. They it became the great evil of the ocean, and I think it really had a detrimental effect on the shark population for a very long time. It made the shark into the the ultimate bad, and I, I'm I'm not. Saying that if I was to be in the water and I saw a shark or catch a shark or you know if I was fishing and I caught a shark that I wouldn't uh you know necessarily keep it if it i mean if it was something that I was after, but again, I understand now more than what I did after I saw this movie. I was three years old when this movie came out originally. Jaws Two is the one that I saw in the theater, and I saw it with my aunt and and I absolutely was mortified by this movie and for the longest time I could not get into water where I could not see the bottom. Mm-hmm. If I could see the bottom I was fine. Swimming pools, clear lagoons, whatever it was, no problem. A lake, a freshwater lake that was even a little bit murky, right out. There's yeah. no way I was getting in it because I could not see the bottom. And and I it is because of Jaws. Flat out because of Jaws and and the fear that something was going to come up from
2: underneath that I had no control over and basically bite me in half. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was talking to Stu before we started recording. You know, there there was some good and some bad to come out of this film because, you know, even as recently as the past couple of years, there's a problem in Australia of people going out and just proactively killing sharks for pretty much no reason. But then uh, I was reading a really good article you know that was pretty much to balance perspective, weighing the pros and cons. With the uh, the positive being that there were a lot of people who watched this film and they were fascinated by the Hooper character, who was you know one of the first ocean-related scientists to appear on film. Right, and mm-hmm. they they really found Jaws just fascinating as a creature and the ocean fascinating. So a lot of people pursued. Uh, career choice because they saw Jaws, even though I will definitely agree with Stu as as somebody who loves animals, you know, just demonizing uh, an animal because of a fictitious film that's really not trying to be horribly scientifically accurate, uh, that's that's definitely wrong. Well, Mm -hmm. just, you know,
1: what we know now, most sharks, shark attacks are completely accidental. I mean, it's the shark is after its own food source. We happen to look like that food source at the moment. They take a bite. They spit us out. It it would be like if a bear came up to you and and grabbed you with his claws and realized, Oh crap, you're not what I want necessarily, you know, or or something like that. But a shark is even worse. They don't have arms to grab you with. What do they have? It's like a mouth hug. You know? I mean (laughs) (laughs) it's it's how are they gonna how are they gonna know one way or another? Well they're gonna bite you and if it doesn't appeal to them, then they'll spit you out. If you appeal to them, well unfortunately, you know, you're going to get ravaged and it's going to be a bad thing but, but it did I, I, I was sitting in the theater with, I think it was my aunt at this point, because she took me to see Raiders of the Lost Ark as well and I freaked out at the end of that one when the faces melted, but um, she was renowned for doing that sort of thing to her, me and my brother but um, we went to see Jaws 2 and I cried throughout the thing and the people sitting behind us were laughing the entire time <laughs> And they weren't laughing at me. They were laughing because they were afraid. And that was at that point that I realized that people deal with fear differently. Some people cry, some people scream, some people laugh, some people freeze and don't do anything. Everybody deals with fear differently. And and this particular movie raised such a visceral feeling in me the first time I saw it. Jaws in particular, after I I think I saw that probably after I saw Jaws too, but um but again it raised such a visceral feeling in me because it's pure helplessness. And it, part of it is because you do not see the shark. All you see is its fin. Yeah. And you don't know what's beneath the surface. And and that is just horrifying. And it's a helplessness be, that goes well beyond anything in, in your imagination.
0: Yeah, the the feeling of, of um, paranoia and isolation when they're out on that boat because it takes a long time to get there but once they are you're out there for the long haul and Robert Shaw and Richard Dreyfus, I guess couldn't stand each other and they were constantly bickering and fighting. And Robert Shaw had has has like uh, had had a, a notorious drink is, yeah. drinking problem and tax yeah.
2: problems too. And what that was interesting tax problems. Oh yeah, oh, right. Because he would had to
0: be get flown to Canada.
2: Yeah, and it was it was kind of strange because I think he had tax problems in multiple countries because of different tax laws. So you know. Um, Ireland, the United States, and I think there is a, another one that I'm I'm not remembering. So, he didn't have any tax problems in Canada, so on his days off, they flew him to Canada, so he wouldn't incur these tax penalties, and apparently he didn't make any money from Jaws, because he had to pay off all of these taxes, which and is got a shame. He not go to jail. Because wow. his performance, and, you know, my, my favorite part of this film, hands down, is the USS yeah. Indianapolis catalog. Oh, geez,
1: yeah, That's You feel brilliant. like he
2: actually lived through this, and it seems like he's not really even acting at that point, and to me, like... When I think of monologues, a lot of times they just fall flat because a lot of times when characters speak at length, you leave the film open for, um, I guess, sometimes more dialogue that just doesn't work, doesn't pertain to anything. But you really understand his character at that point and why he is just is so insane and he doesn't seem to care about anything because he was pretty close to dying. You know, he saw his friends die But at least they delivered the bomb. But see, and that's Mm -hmm. the thing, you know, I mean, not
1: only it, it was like karmic payback for the for these men, you know, they didn't really even know what they were doing. It was so secret. Even the men on the ship didn't know what they were doing. And and no one would. I mean, there was no communications at all. It was all below the boards. And and because they were sunk and because they were in the water so long, I cannot even imagine how horrifying that would have been. And, again, one man after the other being taken out by sharks. It is truly one of the most devastating shipwreck stories you, you could ever read. And, yeah, and the and, fact and that, it, that's it, that it's truly, truly real. Right. I mean, it is real.
0: It, it makes sense when he explains that the scariest part was waiting for his turn. And that's to get picked why up, he'll never put anxious, a life jacket Right, on. exactly. He's so Captain Ahab. He is a little bit, but he's not, he's not got a vendetta
1: against this specific shark. He has kind of a vendetta against all sharks, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, you kind of get that vibe when you're in his workshop before they even get on the boat with all the the jaws, the the jaw bones, with the teeth and everything that are everywhere, you know? And he talks about sharking for a living. Well, is there really a market for that in the United States, number one? And number two, if he's going to be a shark hunter— where are you going to do that and make a living it's going to be off the coast of japan where mm-hmm. or china where they value well unfortunately the fins more than anything else and and for you know completely wrong reasons too but just like the horns off of a rhino or the the tusks off of a an elephant you know they they value them for for reasons that are completely mystical um but again it, it he would have been there, but even in this case, he is a believable character because he is so irascible and salty and everything else. You know, oh, yeah, he's, You know,
0: I, I love, I love his uh, list of demands for doing the job. Oh, One I case love of it. apricot brandy, apricot brandy, champagne. Pot de foie gras, Iranian <laughs> caviar, and don't forget the color TV. Well, he
2: starts off yep. as the creepy guy in the back of the room, you oh, know, because, the uh, because you know you have the
0: fingers on the chalkboard, and you're like, yeah.
2: you have the uh, you have you know this this town hall meeting of sorts, and you have the greedy politicians like Mayor Vaughn not wanting to close the beaches because they want money. It's tourism season in Amity, and then while they're all being idiots up front, you know. Uh, Quint just drags his nails on the chalkboard and says, hey, guys, I'll do this for $10,000. All right, see you later. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right on.
2: Take it easy there. <laughs> and,
0: and what do you get for
1: $10,000? The head, Dead, the tail, the whole damn, damn thing. thing. <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah, I love um, this This scene in the hospital, which when I was a kid, always that was always the boring part. But the the shock that Mayor Vaughn is going through because he's 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 despicable and it and Richard Dreyfus has his great line about I'm aware of the fact that you're going to ignore this particular problem and he doesn't so want to close the them. beaches he's yep. <laughs> he's money hungry he's exactly what you said Ben and then when Brody's son is hurt and it's the direct result of the mayor's actions he's just kind of like walking around in a haze he's like I, I had the town's best intentions in mind I I uh, you know and and for the first time you see like some emotion and some uh you know
1: well some, some remorse on his yeah. part,
0: you know obviously and and he
1: genuinely felt bad about what happened, but too little too late at that point, right, you
0: know? and he still doesn't wanna
1: sign the form no, initially, no, he doesn't and and take responsibility a little bit and man up um. Some of the some of the scenes the 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 actual attack scenes with the shark I I think that the they were masterfully done again because you don't see the shark fully or you see the silhouette or you just barely like in that scene in the, the quote unquote pond when Brody's son is is there and he sees the guy in the dinghy get thrown out of the dinghy and then. Basically eaten right in front of him, mm-hmm. pulled right underwater, right right in front of him, and the shock that that would cause to see something like that, and an animal as enormous as what this shark is described to be would just be, oh, utterly utterly amazingly horrifying. Yeah, it's the only thing I can think of. I mean, it's just so horrifying to even con- you know have a concept of that. Well, the uh,
2: the the theme of the animal in the question is absolutely perfect. And it's funny, too, because um, I'm not sure if this is true or not. Not everything on IMDb Trivia is true. But no. apparently Spielberg laughed when John Williams presented the, the Jaws theme and said, OK, where's your real theme? You know, because if you think about the theme at its <laughs> base, it's just like two piano keys right by each other. Yeah. So Sorry. it's so menacing, especially when you add the different layers to it. You know, it's not just two notes you add what's behind the notes and and that's where john williams is a genius he just knows how to put the right group of notes together the harmonies and melodies so that once you hear it and you actually listen to it you realize it's not so simple you know it's just like a a beatles song to me where people can say oh this has three chords but if you listen there are more details going on you know Uh, and sometimes the hardest thing to do is to write a song or uh, any piece whatsoever, and have it, you know, not have as many layers and still be so effective. Which John Williams is a master at doing. Oh, geez. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So,
0: so the the music he won the Academy Award for, and I love how right from the very beginning, you know, it it shows the first person. It it has the music, so it's kind of like we're being Pavloved. So that whenever we hear the music, we're expecting <laughs> it freaks you out. We're expecting to see the shark, shark which right. And at a couple points, they give us the shark before we hear the music, which is even more effective. Yeah, it's like teasing us. Well, it, it, his
1: ability to create a mood with the with the music in this particular film is masterful. If no one none of if he won no other Oscar for any other of his movies ever that he scored, this would be the one I say he would get more than anything because without that music, without that two note dun 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 dun, and how it builds and then behind it and everything else as Ben was describing, without that. If you put some other cheesy orchestrated thing above the top of it, you you wouldn't be nearly as afraid. You wouldn't. It wouldn't be nearly as tantalizing. It wouldn't be nearly as as visceral as this music is. And and he has done. I mean, Jimmy and I had the thrill not too long ago. It was two winters ago, I think it was, of going to see him. Uh, his orchestra play in, uh, or the it wasn't his orchestra, but he was directing the Chicago Symphony Symphony Orchestra, and who did play on the Lincoln soundtrack? Absolutely, they played orchestra. on that. Yeah, and it, it it was just one of the most brilliant, awe inspiring things ever to see that man work, and just to be there, and to and to hear the music, and to really appreciate how he has not just affected film. But affected other people's lives through the music and the films that he's done. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I
0: was raised by John Williams. Ba- yeah, I, didn't ex- I didn't expect to like ball my eyes out when I went to see John Williams. No, no, but
1: I, I all of us were. My my kids were crying. They mm-hmm. were so excited when when of course they were excited about the Star Wars, you know, about Star Wars music. And of course, I, I you know the hair on my head stood straight up when I heard it and everything. But again, it comes down to his mastery and ability to evoke emotion through some relatively and I'll, I'll say simple but that doesn't even do I mean that's that's too easy of a word it it goes well beyond that it's it's a, it he makes it seem easy i think yeah. and so ugh Again, Spielberg has and, and, and Lucas have used Williams throughout their careers and without the without or excuse me, and uh, without Williams, these two men's careers probably would not be what they are today. Mm-hmm. I, I firmly believe that. And and Spielberg I think would agree and I think maybe Lucas on one of his good days would agree as well.
0: Yeah. No, this this I remember owning the cassette tape for the soundtrack when I was younger, um oh. I remember owning the cassette tape for the soundtrack when I was younger. And putting it on my Walkman at night if I wanted to scare myself, and some nights it was like too much for my right. Your little brain, stuff. yeah, your brain. Because yeah. it was rated PG. I was tricked. P- uh, Jaws, Poltergeist, and Airplane are all rated PG, and right. that is insane. I understand the history of the MPAA. I get right. why that is the case, but it's just. I still... think Jaws now would be uh, PG thirteen. Yeah, it wouldn't it? Wouldn't be R, but you
1: it know. would be PG thirteen for intense, intense imagery and that that partial nudity at the beginning you kind of sort of see, and the scene where they pick up where he's in the, the coroner's office and he picks up the girl's arm, and that great Christie's arm or whatever, and that great big chunk is gone out of it, and you right. can clearly see it's a bite, you know, I mean. Well, in
0: 1975, if there would have been an open mouth kiss, it would have been rated R, and that's so whacked. That is weird. Well, I think,
2: I think part of what's, or a big part of what's effective in Jaws is what they don't show. And to me, one of the most effective scenes is when Brody's flipping through that book on sharks and shark attacks, and they're showing the victims. Right. A lot of it is the oh, dialogue. That, and that the music, music yeah. in that scene. A lot yeah, of the background the music and, and the
1: dialogue. And that there's that one picture, the one picture in that book of that guy's leg that is just
2: mangled beyond belief. Oh, my God. It's horrific. It's horrific.
1: It really is, and I, you know, and and I paused on that moment. I'm looking at this picture, and I thought, how many people have actually just seen that and not realized what they were really looking at? You know, but you you made
2: a, that's a perfect point. Well, though, it's, uh, I believe Hemingway, is the the man who said this. But when he when he was talking about you know effective an effective story, he would you know relate it to an iceberg where. There's a 20% you see, and then there's 80% below the surface. So it's the below-the-surface stuff that, I mean, I know this isn't even me trying to make a pun because, you know, Jaws emerges from beneath the surface, but, you know, it's the subtle things that I think really make this movie, like the for mentioned, uh book with the shark photos, the small touches with Brody and his family, uh, Hooper just coming in with, with wine for no reason, you know, because I think he wants to drink because he's he's so nervous because he has knowledge of this creature, Well, and I, what he I can think do.
1: He, I think he shows up at that point to genuinely propose, hey, let's go cut this thing open and let's have done with it. You know,
2: yeah,
1: I think that's what he really wants to do, and and uh, you know. Once they've cut the the tiger shark that supposedly was a shark who killed the or boy, once they cut that shark open and there's some explanation of the tiger shark and what they do and everything else. A what? A what? Exposition. (laughs) And then then when they get on the boat and go out into the water at night during the shark's feeding time and Hooper gets into the water— I'm sorry, at that point that was one of the scariest parts for me because not mm-hmm. only are they in deep water, they're in deep water at night. Right. Where it doesn't matter how many lights you have coming off that expensive boat. It it's not going to show more than 50 feet. It just is not in that type of water and by that time you're food. You are your meat, you know. Yeah. I mean, nothing's left of you and and one of the st- scare moments now there are a lot of there are some scare moments in this you know but you don't really know what's causing the scare you know what what the ultimate causes until that that one scene when Brody's ch- chumming the water and that's the first time you get a really good picture of the shark where it comes up out of the water and, mm-hmm. and presents itself but that scare moment where that dude's head Mm-hmm. Bob's out of the hole and yeah. freaks him out totally and causes him to swim to the surface, dropping the shark's tooth and everything. Unbelievably scary, you know. And, you know, it was just a styrofoam head made up to look like some guy or whatever. But, again, it those little touches, those little nuances – it, should you be afraid of something like that? No. Was it horrifying at the moment? Absolutely. Yeah,
0: I, I really absolutely. <clears throat> I love the um Brody's sense of responsibility, accountability, and like almost obligation that he's terrified of the water and he's terrified of sharks. So he goes into the water on a boat in the middle of the ocean to hunt the shark because. He's the deputy. He's got to do it. And he does oh, it yeah. with ha- without hesitation. Well his his fear of water, he I mean it's it is an over it, it's a
1: well, it's again, it's an overcoming of your fears. It's a it's a realization of duty, as you were saying. It's a realization of, hey, I've got a job to do. No one else is gonna do it. I've got to go out here with this crackpot and and make a go of it. And and of course luckily he had Hooper with him who <laughs> counterbalanced I think the I think the true frustration between Dreyfus's character, or between Hooper and Quint, and the actual two actors comes out quite a bit, and they're bantering back and forth. And I thought it was hilarious, the faces that Hooper makes at him. I'm not going to take this abuse much longer. You yeah, know, and that whole,
2: hi aye, sir, and everything else, you know. I think, I think this... This film shows, too, why Spielberg has been able to make so many blockbusters because he knows how to balance different elements. Like, one thing we haven't mentioned yet is the comedic elements. Like, some of them are absolutely hilarious, like the sign that's been vandalized. Oh, yeah. The, the tourist like sign, the, the billboards, and the shark yeah. fin. Yeah. And Hooper, in general, has, you know, just all these some quirky great characteristics. And, um, I know this is one of those things you're looking back on it in retrospect, but I loved their, like, um, their jeep vehicles like the the police vehicles the official vehicles were like trucks with their tops cut off right exactly yeah (laughs) so it's so hilarious they're being so serious but they're driving around in in this thing you know which that's probably just a sign of the times but i thought it was hilarious Yeah, yeah no
0: i i love we were talking about how terrifying and and effective in that manner that the music can be but i also love brody's walk through the town because without any dialogue, you get <laughs> such a feel for like the no, way of life,
1: kidding. like the
0: problems that people come to Brody with, like the the old man with the tire, you know. That's oh, and like, the kids, you, the kids it. are kids. breaking
1: my fence with their karate chopping, you know. Yeah. Whatever, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and but and the music plays such a you know it's it's so incredibly lighthearted and at this point you haven't really even. You haven't seen anything even remotely scary to counterbalance it. Well, you saw, well, you yeah, saw you it saw at the saw very the attack, beginning. Yeah. yeah,
1: the very beginning. But even then, you don't know what it is.
0: Right, right. You
1: just know that this girl was dragged under, and, and her would-be hookup just passed out on the beach. So. Right.
0: I'm not he drunk. drunk. He Nobody drunk. asked you if you were drunk. <laughs> but I, as far <laughs> as like conventional practical effects and devices goes, I love how like to film that, and I've watched a lot. A lot of Jaws material over the years, and they just tied two like uh, twine ropes around her waist, and then both both ends of the rope went like fifty yards in each direction. And there's like grips just tugging on her. Right. And um, she was like severely bruised. Oh yeah, without um, a doubt. Yeah. So effective. And right before she gets dragged under, they have that beautiful sunset. You know. And, and it, it is. It is. It is a mix between okay. Because think
1: about this, and and you're absolutely right, Jimmy. It is a mix between one of the – probably one of the biggest fantasies that most guys have, a naked chick in the water at night, gorgeous ocean, gorgeous sunset, one of the most horrifying things that could possibly happen then. Yeah. You know? I mean, it takes With careless it, it whisper playing you, in
2: the background. It
1: takes you completely – well, it takes you completely by surprise the first time you see it, and you know at that point that this film, no matter how lighthearted some of the other scenes, scenes appear to be, you know that there's something beneath the surface that's
0: horrifying and will come after you. Yeah. I We haven't talked about – this was something that always struck me before I had any interest in film, but the wonderful use of the vertigo effect when Brody is watching the water and the boy gets pulled under, and they do um, – They use it in Poltergeist. They used it in Vertigo when Jimmy Stewart's walking up the stairs, and it's like a zoom out, zoom in sort of shot. Oh, yes, yes,
1: yes, yes. And so with the camera,
0: you move a dolly back as you're zooming in, and they did it in Goodfellas. They did it for like, that was the longest one they ever did, but it's uh, it's very disorienting and dizzying and dreamlike and, you know, very uh, strangely visceral, and uh, yeah, it's just really effective because, you know, there's been some close calls and- there's uh Mr. Bad Hat Harry. That's some bad <laughs> that's,
1: hat. I love it that they've. Who who is it that's uh, co-opted that as their being like a tagline?
0: Isn't that Frank Marshall?
1: Is it Frank Marshall that did that? Okay, Bad that's, Hat Harry. That's some Bad Hat Harry. You know, it's the end of it, it's of those of you who are avid TV watchers you have heard it like along with uh, erg arg for Joss Whedon or. Uh, Bad robot for J J Abrams and you know, mm. but again, it's that's some bad hat. Harry is just
0: hysterical. But there's so many funny lines and so much you know the the Kinter kid with, you know, your hands are already starting to prune and, <laughs> you know, despite all this terror that we've already seen, uh, you're like totally getting into it. The tourists are in. The music's lighthearted. The chief is watching. The and, kids
2: with the the fake shark fin. Yeah, totally. <laughs> the totally. kids oh. with the fake shark fin.
1: Even <laughs> Those two kids are the ballsiest people in the entire film. Because there's film. an actual shark. There's an actual shark out there. And those two kids, he made me do it. Yeah. Those two kids, I mean, oh, that was brilliant on their part.
0: And they grew up to be Sylvester Stallone and Chuck Norris. Yes. <laughs> <end. laughs> right. Even though that wouldn't
2: that fit the timeline because they're way too young. Oh, yeah. At that, oh, at that yeah. point, uh, Stallone would have been... A few years away from his stardom, and then Chuck Norris had already, you know, had some martial arts success. And I think maybe by that point, Bruce Lee had, on film, as a character, broken Chuck Norris's neck. So, yeah. And I don't get why there aren't more Bruce Lee jokes, because if if Bruce Lee broke Chuck Norris's neck, then it's just like he's a force of nature, you know, even if he's not necessarily alive.
0: Well, I think that Chuck Norris oh. is more mocked, and I don't think that anybody has the balls to mock uh, Bruce Lee. We go back to... Yeah, so. No, oh, thank you. Uh, let's talk about. Stick with the s- Let's talk about the sequels for a while because I haven't seen any of them. Oh, you haven't? No. Well, it's 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 great evidence, even in 1977, of the, the, the movie film. machine. Yeah, yeah. yeah, the
1: franchise films. Yeah. And
0: the second one, he's electrocuted. The third one is. Uh, Totally exploiting uh, the 3D technology, right? And it's my th- it's my seventh favorite Lou Gossett Jr. movie. Seventh favorite? It's my seventh favorite. I like Iron Eagle, the the third Iron Eagle movie, and then the first one. Um, but we can we can get back to that on another day. Okay, fair enough. But uh, yeah, the 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 second one, the the fourth one was really bad because yes, Martin, the worst. Martin, they revealed that Martin Brody died from a heart attack. Right uh And Ellen thought that it was because of his fear of sharks, so she goes to the Caribbean or the Caribbean, depending on what side of the country you're from <laughs> and she thinks that this specific shark has a vendetta against her, and the shark follows her to the Caribbean, and her son is now fully grown and has a fine beard and michael son Michael Kane is no, of it, course, for yes. some strange reason. And uh it's just it's like it's the most boring film. I remember watching it just well, being I so disappointed. I don't uh, I guess
1: boring is a way to describe it, but pointless is more of a way to describe it, drive it than anything else. And my shock hasn't been redone personally. I, I, what, Jaws period? Or mm-hmm. Yeah, well does it need to be? That's well, the question. Do most of like what, need what to can be? you what can
2: you I well, What can you improve upon what can you add, you know?
1: What could you improve upon upon the first other than I'm sure Spielberg could pull a a Lucas and go back and and – throw some CGI shark footage or something in at the end and make it a little more believable. But again, though, that would take you out of the reality of the moment well, and Well, I'm the not saying of... they
0: should. I mean, they absolutely should not, but there's a lot of reboots and remakes that get done that, like, why would you need to remake Poltergeist? Why would you do that? Well, a lot of no, it just depends on trends, because like, yeah. with
2: Poltergeist, you know, the whole spooky kid movie right. uh, is a thing and has been well, for a while now. You know, like, with, like, like the, after the ring, and after the, the, ring yeah, the came ring, out, there were yeah. just so many spooky kid Ghost movies that are there? Any, are there any good ones? I don't know. <laughs> no, I don't know. I think I, the you know. Ring
0: is good. What's that? I like I the, the Ring. first The Ring one. was good. Yeah. There's some that J- I like. Jaws,
1: Jaws, and Jaws Two though, I think are good. Jaws is obviously the superior of the two movies, but I like Jaws Two as well because I, I because it number one it maintains most of the original cast, and and number two it really does kind of show Brody's growth a little bit, and that. It, it it's more of a it it really does with the with well with the kids when they're out on the water in the in their sailboats or whatever and they're sailing out there and they all get trapped out there and it's just one kid after another it's a you know a shark smorgasbord at that point and i i i found that one to be more entertaining cuz you knew what was out there. You knew it was after, after them. But again, they didn't overuse the shark necessarily. Mm-hmm. They didn't overuse Jaws, you know. And so while the first original Jaws was killed, it does also make you wonder, well, where's this other shark coming from? And and why is it now back and terrorizing this area? And is it this mystical connection between the, the Brodies and some unusual shark... Demon or whatever, but mm-hmm. whatever it is, obviously the the sharks have a thing for Brody flesh. So yeah, but it's still it wasn't a bad film. But no, three was. and four, ugh, oh, ugh, oh, just horrible, just horrible.
0: So I think the best thing that I've ever read about Jaws, and and everything that I've ever read from this film. Several decades ago, Lee Fierro, who plays Mrs. Kinter, walked into a seafood restaurant and noticed <laughs> I read about this, yeah. that the menu had an Alex Kinter sandwich. <laughs> she commented that she had played his mother so many years ago. The owner of the restaurant ran out to meet her, none other than Jeffrey Voorhees, who had played her son. They hadn't seen each other since the original movie shoot. But that one, is outrageous. One of the worst
2: things too is that she didn't know how to fake a slap, so
0: yeah. when she, she was, genuinely smacked she him, was, she?
2: she was smacking legitimately Roy Shider. when she was you know pretending to be distraught about her son you know Ugh. acting I should say that she was distraught about her son right and she was really slapping him and that must have been pretty painful
1: well it depends on how many takes. times he got slapped I mean, yeah but yeah you're right it had to be just a bit painful at some point lady get it right or come on you know come on Stephen let's do this one more time and have done with it right
2: I think one of the worst parts too is uh, the scene where they've uh, they've brought in the first shark. Um, apparently they that was that was real and it was like a decaying shark. So it was decomposing. Really? Yeah. And the, apparently the smell was just god awful. Well, it would be. Yeah, I'm sorry. That so would I just be... think about it. Decaying, oh, decaying fish. That that was probably one of the. worst things for the people on set. No kidding. No kidding. That's just ugh. worst. That's that might be as bad as getting slapped, yeah. If not worse, yeah. Depending, trendy, on, yeah. depending on depending on uh, how hard smell. Mrs. Mrs. Fiero could Aroma slap.
0: Ar- yeah. slap. Aroma slap. Yeah, Aroma slap. Aroma we were talking. We we're talking about the Shaw's drinking issues, right? And I remember reading a while back uh, there was an actor in the '40s through the '60s named Errol Flynn who played a lot of Robin Hood roles, pirate, like the epitome of swashbuckler. And Errol he, Flynn
1: was originally like Robin Hood, and yeah, and yeah, whatnot. yeah, yeah. He was the original. Yep.
0: But he had he had like four or five wives, and one of his wives he met at a concession stand in court during his current divorce. <laughs> but <laughs> Smooth. he he drank, he he drank all the time, and right. you know the, there was no, obviously no social media. There's obviously no like news coverage, so right. we assume these, you know the the black and white days were a different time and things were simpler but you know he he uh, the only time he didn't drink is when he was portraying a drunk man on on film but i was so
1: the scene when they're all drinking in uh in the hold of the orca where they're singing show me a way to go home I'm oh. tired and I wanna go to bed.
0: Well, I was taught. Er- er- Errol Flynn Errol is the Flynn? one.
1: Oh, Errol but- Flynn, but not but Robert, Robert Shaw. Robert Shaw okay. did
0: drink. He he drank yeah. during the scene when he gave oh, the U.S.S.S. He? speech, and the footage was completely unusable. Really? And he called Spielberg that night, and he said, "Let me give you, let me give you another take," and he nailed it in one take. Okay appears to be drunk but yeah it's i mean it's it's, no, really, it's I mean, really horrible i mean it's i think it's hilarious
1: that whole entire scene but uh unfortunately yeah if it's going to affect you know everything i've read about it and there was a quote somewhere from from Roy Scheider about Robert Shaw he's a perfect gentleman until he has a drink, and then he's a complete son of a bitch or mm-hmm. something like totally that. Competitive. Which, yeah, I mean, it just changes. It's like a switch is flipped in this guy. And that happens with some people. I mean, you know, some people are happy drunk, Some people are real angry dicks. Excuse my language, but that's the
0: truth. Yeah, so I don't know at what point Animal Attack films kind of became this midnight feature double Creature, feature sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. like... You know, obviously, this whole Sharknado wave is ridiculous.
2: <laughs> Definitely the, not the, a
0: blockbuster. <laughs> no, but no.
2: probably a lot more successful than sci-fi would have ever dreamed.
0: Oh, yeah, right. To- well, well, there was I think like eight succ- like yeah. Yeah. There's, you know, there and there's some that try to be legitimate. And I'm thing I'm thinking of like Lake Placid and Anaconda, which Yikes. Right, Yikes. Right, right, horrible, horrible. Yikes! Very fun to watch, but. Lake yeah. Placid, I I like more than more than the others, but you know anything from like Congo to Croc to Eight Legged Freaks to you know whatever. It's like each movie has a piranha. different agenda.
2: Piranha, piranha, the
0: Joe Dante Piranha, mm-hmm.
2: yes, yes. I mean, sci-fi has I, I, this is our current bread and butter. I mean, yeah. if you turn on sci-fi, you know, on the weekend at any time, there's probably at least. Uh, Eighty percent chance that you're going to land on something like you know, Sharktopus versus Sharktopus. Insert name of what an the- insert name of another made-up uh, chimerical creature. Yeah, year. I
1: know. I mean, come on. I mean, those do, those do harken back to the creature features of the 1950s or whatever. And and. Great, they 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 hit this campy mood or whatever, but I, I'm sorry, they're ridiculous, and I've never found those amusing. Godzilla, I like King Kong, I like giant monster like the the new kaiju films or the you know Pacific Rim, like those, that's fun. But when you take the, I mean, Creature from the Black Lagoon, thank you, no, I'll pass. I mean, because that's another chimerical sort of creature, you know, and everything else, but. I don't know. I I think that Jaws itself and this fear of what makes this truly a, a, a scary and really kind of terrifying thing is that this could be real. Could be. Very rarely is, almost never is, but could be real. And and that's what really made this scary. And I think that's why people who were ignorant at the time of what sharks really were or what they were capable of or what they actually did were so horrified and, and decided to just go out and have a vendetta against them, like we said earlier. But, again, it's, that's what, in my ultimate opinion, makes this such so fascinating is that it could happen.
2: It could. Unlike Mega Shark versus Crocosaurus – the reason I remember that one is because I turned it on, and um, Jaleel White, who was the actor who portrayed the Steve Urkel in Family Matters, uh, he's supposed to be this military type in Shark versus Crocosaurus, and he has this scheme to, I think, electrify um, the Crocosaurus by drawing it to a city. I just thought to myself, this is, this <laughs> this is like,
1: Godzilla, or this is the uh, Jaws 2. No, it's even. more
2: like they were, I mean, they didn't even have to be drunk and high to come up with this. Just like they had a 15-minute <laughs> writing session, and they like wrote the whole movie on napkins. They're like, oh, my God. Print it, boys. We're going to production.
1: Oh, this is gold. <laughs>
2: <laughs> They're um, going to eat this one up like Big slop
0: oh man Anyways. jaws is wonderful oh so Mythbusters did a jaws myth about oh the the tank the, the tank, shark tank which or is the total, uh, yeah total bowl would not explode it wouldn't blow up
1: like that unless it was full of like actual flammable gas right or something well, the, like that. the 22 you know?
0: that Brody had wouldn't have even have like touched the shell of that a, wasn't of a 22. that was a
1: that was a carbine that was like a an m1 carbine from world war Two. 22s are much smaller they have a much smaller smaller bowl that was an actual rifle that he had
2: if you want to take the next level i mean i don't even know if i need to say this but uh a shark wouldn't act like this in real life which a lot of people were you know mistaken about they thought oh sharks act like this but that's no that to me that's kind of the whole point of the film is that um it's almost akin to a natural disaster that you can't really anticipate and uh you know this, this this whole rogue shark thing. A lot of people have taken to heart because they they haven't really looked at the true data. It doesn't really happen. You know, sharks don't say, "Oh yeah, I think I'm gonna you know develop taste for human flesh no. today." No, not at all. And, and attack and, their boats. And again, you you put as
1: as Quint aptly says, you put three barrels into a shark like that. That shark is so irritated and so injured, it's swimming away it's not it's it, and it will eventually die because it cannot submerge with something like that attached to it. It would die flat out and i it, again it's it's the the monster movie versus the reality and and we're all we all go to the movies at times to be afraid, and this hit a huge nerve in in the population at that time, and even today.
0: It, I mean, again, it still scares people. So Much better than Monkey Shines, I'll say that much. Well, I
2: think it's interesting, too, when you uh, look at, at directors who made their big break with horror, or at least got started in the horror genre, you know. Uh, if it wasn't for Jaws, James Cameron might not have a career because... Piranha Two Boys, am right, I right? <laughs> it's or, just like or, these guys. Uh, what
0: a film to Peter break Jackson out on. With Peter frienders.
2: Jackson, Peter uh, Jackson, Zack Snyder. His big break was the Dawn of the Dead remake. Just mm. Joss Whedon with Sam uh, Raimi. Yeah, I
1: mean seriously, if yeah. you go
2: back and look at it, it's it's pretty impressive, you know. And I think we talked about during t- talked about this uh, same subject during the the Babadook episode. But uh, the big reason that a lot of directors get started in horror is, for the most part. Uh, basic horror film is really cheap to make and you can focus on the basics and use practical effects to you know really drive a point home and it's really a good vehicle for people who are starting out in the business to show what they can do
0: Mm -hmm.
2: absolutely whatever
0: technology and resources they have Mm -hmm.
2: and frankly just about everything
1: spielberg has touched past that past jaws has turned to gold with you know there were some pointed exceptions ai was not necessarily the best and there were a couple of others that I probably I, I can't even really bring up necessarily because there were no real huge stinkers necessarily, but most of what he's done has just been absolutely brilliant, and yeah. I just can't wait for the next thing to come out.
0: It's even if it's not something that I'm akin to, it's you know I've talked to a lot of people who were crazy about AI, and I'm I'm not a huge war epic fan. I've seen Saving Private Ryan. It's 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 really good. Um, but I can't appreciate it like other people can with other movies, you know, like, you know, different. He's He always has that um, perspective from a child. Well, usually has that perspective from a child. Well, E.T., Super 8, you know,
1: I mean. Close Encounters. Close Encounters. I mean, you know, there's always a sense of innocence in his films, I think, that really – well, it, it lends to the film to the point where it it really brings us into his films. It makes you a part of the film. It makes you want to be a part of the film. So and I think that's what the brilliance is a lot of times is that he – even if there's not a child character, he makes you feel childlike and, and innocent and afraid. You know, Poltergeist, perfect example. You know, I mean – there's no way I would have stayed in that house even after that chair started going across the floor. I'd been like, nope, we up, we out, gone. Sorry, you know. But again, you're brought along because you're you're intrigued, you're you're afraid, but you're intrigued and everything else. And and that's that's a hallmark of Steven Spielberg's. It wouldn't have been that movie without him.
2: I don't really know if there's a whole lot that we could even add to whatever discussions have taken place before yeah. this episode. Truly, I mean, just because. Um, Jaws really did set a precedent for summer blockbusters that we may not fully appreciate in this day and age because now it's more of a competition between studios to make the biggest and best thing, and I feel like there's a lot of artistry lost. And if you look at Jaws compared to, you know, your average blockbuster, blockbuster being quotations, um, there's a lot more to Jaws that's under the surface, a lot more subtlety. It's not just, hey, we threw a bunch of... Uh, money at this film and just threw in a bunch of big-name actors because Jaws really didn't have that. You know, they they brought in guys who weren't horribly— well known no
1: no and, absolutely the only one who yeah. the,
2: the most well known of all of them probably at that point was
1: robert shaw, robert shaw yeah, yeah. he'd been in the sting well not just the sting but also battle of the bulge
2: he black was also sunday black sunday, sunday. Yeah. he
1: was you know from russia with love i mean he he was in a lot of different things so so you
2: know it's it's and also you know it was one of spielberg's earlier films like we mentioned he didn't have a name so this was one of those runaway hits where It opened not very many theaters, and it went on to be the first film to make $100 million. So like I said, a lot of people probably don't realize that this movie uh, really did blaze a trail, and they may take for granted that you can probably still make a blockbuster and have people think about it a little bit and not make it just mindless entertainment and that's what i take away from it you know looking back on it jaws is definitely not mindless entertainment
1: i mean it's very entertaining but again it's it's the it's the visceral effect that that fear of the unknown has on the person and how that fear can generate different effects in people and and it, eventually what that drives the what actions that fear drives people to do. Um, aside from that, without Jaws, you don't have Star Wars. Without Star Wars, you don't have your current blockbusters. You just don't, you know. And, but without Jaws, definitely, being the first really huge blockbuster, there there, there there might have been another movie that might have set it off, but Jaws is the one that, that basically is the, the pebble that started the avalanche. I am so glad that it happened. cannot express
0: how glad I am. It's the standard. It's the standard on which so many other things are based. Absolutely. So uh, I think we're going to leave next week's episode open to uh, a listener's suggestion. You've been listening to 90.7 WAZU for the last hour, and we've had a, an awfully good time with you guys. Good show. We'll be back next Tuesday, and until then, I'm Jimmy Malone.
1: I'm Stuart
0: Randolph. I'm Ben Snowden. And this is Movie Show Theater. You know what? I'm saying it. Next Tuesday night, we're going to be doing Blue Valentine from 2010. We need to mix up our tastes a little bit. And Anna Holguin will be joining us in the studio. So that's it. Find and watch Blue Valentine and follow along with us next week.